Episode 17, Season 2 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, Nikki Merritt from Johannesburg. Hiya. And back, I think, for the first time since the start of the season, Jess Nicholl from Staines. Evening. Right, um, we'll begin with yesterday. Um, Nikki, I'll, I'll come to you in a minute, but I'm going to start off with, with Jess. Jess, you and I were both at the game um, at St Mary's, and... I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought that first 10, 20, 30 minutes even, it, it seemed to be a continuation of, of, of the Newcastle match. We were a bit slow, some of our passing was a bit sloppy, some of the defending was just schoolboy um, mistakes. And it, I don't know, if it, if it was a better team than Southampton, and they're a decent t- side, we might have got punished early on. But after that, I thought we, we weathered the storm and we seemed to... We got a goal at a vital, vital moment um, just before half time, or two goals even. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I actually said to you, didn't I? About twenty minutes in, I said this looks like the continuation of that second half against Newcastle. Um, yeah, I, sometimes confidence. You got to remember we're, we're a young side, so confidence is always going to p- play a big part in the way we express ourselves. Yeah, it was sloppy. We looked a bit nervous. I don't, I don't know if you sensed that, but we just yeah. looked a bit nervous, and then and we just gradually sort of grew into the game. And a great goal, but I'd actually seen the goal again now on telly by Harry. It was better than I thought. I thought he was a little bit lucky at the time, but now having seen the goal, it was a very good goal by Harry. And um, no, we grew into the game. Second half was pretty comfortable. It was, it was the Tottenham factor that had me worried because we just seemed to manage to shoot ourselves in the foot from nowhere. And yesterday we didn't. Mm-hmm. Nicky. Um... You, it was another one of your um, Johannesburg supporters, Johannesburg Spurs supporters club social events at the, at the Bowen yeah. yesterday. Mm-hmm. How did that That's go? Right, and, yeah. and, and what was the um, what was the general mood yesterday? Well, um, there were there were only a few of us, a handful of us, because um, it's it's December holidays here, and that's a big sort of everybody go. You know, most companies close down and. And it's sort of very quiet um, work-wise. In December, people go on holiday and everything. So a lot of people have gone on holiday already. We were only, there were only about maybe 10 of us or so um, that they'd arrived to watch the game together. But it's, it was great because it was our first game that we um, won watching together. So that was, that was really, really nice to experience. Um, I would say, and I actually looked at the time, um, it was quite bizarre because I thought, I looked at the, the clock and it was 37 minutes into the game and I thought, something's got to happen. This is really lethargic. This is so spursy. What is going on? You know, um, it, it's exactly like Jess said, you know, it was like a it was like a continuation from the Newcastle game. It was actually quite scary and we looked nervous and we did look a little bit 
like not spurs. I, I didn't know what was going on. And then out of nowhere, we just turned the game around. And it was just incredible. And to get those goals before before halftime was amazing. And it just did so much for our confidence, I think. And and um, and then we came out the second half and, and Larice made that brilliant save. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, yeah, it was great to watch. I mean, I think I think Saints went to sleep a little bit, you know, <laughs> and we capitalised on that, which was which was great. So while it wasn't the best performance, considering what happened last week, we bounced back. We didn't concede a goal. We won two 0 It was it was great to watch. So just on just on on the two goals, Jess and I were the opposite um, end of the stadium. So. Didn't have the best mm. best view, and, and and like Jess, I I watch it again, the highlights and um, Harry K- Kane's goal. It reminded me. Maybe it's not the best analogy. Maybe it's a bit disrespectful, even. But it reminded me of um, Jonah Lomo, um, the late Jonah Lomo against England in the nineteen ninety five um, Rugby World Cup semi final, where he just stormed through and went through Mike Katz and. Okay, Harry Kane didn't quite do do that, but he just showed a. He was like a battering ram. He just showed a determination just to go through, straight through mm. a few players. Um, I don't know, it was three or four Saints defenders. Yeah, yeah, it was about three. But I think also it was skill. It's, it's not a terrible analogy because what Jonah Lomu would mix up with with skill, with the ability to move a man of his size, quite agile. With agility, uh, Harry love lovely couple of touches and a bit of raw power as well because he's not the quickest, but he is a strong boy and a, a great finish, a lovely finish, yeah. finish with a plum. And, and it was also, it's also one of those um, that finishes. You say you know he sort of opened up his body, placed it into the corner, but he was. Um, I think it was against. Oh, my brain's gone dead. Was it Stoke? Everton. Possibly Everton. 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 Earlier this season, yeah. it was at least one occasion, if not two, this season, um, where he was through on goal and he fluffed it up. Yeah. And part of me yesterday was thinking, you know, is he going to do that? But you know, credit credit credit's due. Um, he he made it look easy. It was a good finish. Um, the second goal, um, Carl Walker, great pass to pick out Deli Alley. Um, mm. Yeah, it was great. Southampton fell asleep there, though, didn't they? They tried to be clever and uh, ultimately were the complete opposite of clever and uh, give Alley a nice, easy finish. And that, I think that goal killed the game pretty much. Yeah. Um, mm. Just, just going through 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 the um, the lineup. So Larif, um, Nicky mentioned he had a good good game, and made a few um, crucial saves for us. Um, fullbacks, I thought Walker did did well. Vertonghen, Toby again. To me, he's just. I I really think he's one of the best defenders in the Premier League. Um, he's just solid, yeah. and he just does simple things, but so well. Um, and he's always sweeping up. Um, Ben Davis, um, I think we missed Rose, not just offensively, but pace. even 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 defensively. Yeah. Pace, we definitely missed Rose's pace. Mm. We, we yeah, it, it was interesting because I was actually thinking about this earlier, and I was thinking, um, you know, the one the one player that that 
you didn't really actually take note of was Davies. Um, there wasn't much focus on him at all. Whereas if Rose had been there, you would have been sure that there would have been focus on him because he does have pace. And he, yes, he might... I mean, Paul and I argue about this all the time. Yes, he can be weak in defence. I understand that. But he also does bring so much going forward. And, and he's he's improving in defence. Mm. He, he had a bit of a shocker, I think, last week, um, which was which was bad. But, you know, I mean, Davies was, was good. But but I don't think he, he lit the world alight with anything. But I think sometimes if you fair. fall... If you don't notice your fullbacks, it normally invariably means that they've done all right. You normally know, unless they have a spectacular performance where they're bombing down, you know, one of the wings and getting in lots of crosses or getting shots off. But on the flip side, normally defensively, if you think, oh, not really seen much of them today, it normally means they've done all right. And I I don't think Southampton troubled us through the fullback areas, really. In fact, I don't think they troubled us too much, apart from the two Hugo saves which were excellent to be fair. Didn't you yeah. think that there was a few times early on in the first half when, okay, admittedly collectively we were looking a bit shaky where they they had attacks on the right hand side and they, um, Davis and Ericsson weren't getting close enough and closing. Yeah, maybe. That, yeah. Was, that was the only the only sort of area I, f- I felt we, we, we could have well, benefited from Rose being there. I think what Southampton did well to start with was they played with lots of intensity and urgency. And I think mm. that sort of died as soon as we got into the game. Before we didn't score it, it was like, well, we're not going to score now. So they sort of lost a bit of belief. And then obviously we, we got two very quick goals and that really killed them because they didn't really, we didn't face an onslaught. I mean, the last 10 minutes they, they sort of pushed on and tried to have a go. It was like never at any point did they think, did, we, did I feel... Oh crikey, we're under the cosh now. We're really gonna have to, you know, belt belt our braces up and and dig in and and fight for this one. It never came. The onslaught never came really. Mm. Um, yeah. Ericsson, I thought had a as the game grew on, he he sort of um, sorry, as a, as sorry, as the game went on, he he grew into the game and and was was doing better. Um, should have done better with some of the set pieces. So yeah, yeah. He had. Um, Stand-up performance for me, I'll, I'll actually come to, to him in a minute, but um, the person who I think was my man of the match, um, the one that I read somewhere, I don't know who, but somebody had, one of the broadcasters had said was man of the match, was Deli Ali, and I thought, you know, Deli Ali did, did okay, but um, surely the best player on the field once again yesterday was um, Moussa Dembele. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think... Uh, yesterday, Joe, I don't know if I said, but I thought Ali was actually quite poor until he scored. Yeah. And then after that, he had that. I mean, we were talking about him being substituted, weren't we? We were both yeah, saying yeah, we'd take yeah. him off. But he had that 10 minute period where he played really well. He was picking the ball up, he was making good runs, he was getting into the box, he was causing Southampton trouble. But yeah, I think if you go over the whole 90 minutes, uh, Dembele, what a big miss he was against Newcastle. Absolutely oh, massive yeah. miss. Yeah, completely. He really is just, um, I think next to Dyer, one of the most improved players of the season. You know, he's just, he's showing what we, what we and I keep saying this, what we bought from, from Fulham. He's just yeah. showing the player that he was and, and the potential that he can be. And, you know, I just, 
you know, if he, it, I think he got a knock at some stage, and I actually just blurted out, "Don't you dare hurt him, Bailey!" And everybody laughed at me. But it was like I'm so protective of him because if he gets injured, you know, I know we've got other players, but we will miss him because I think he is just so integral. No, absolutely. I just think he is different to anything else we've got. He's got that power. He's got that presence where he just glides past players. He, you know, he doesn't look like he's a bag of tricks, but he just oh. seems to be able to keep the ball in really tight areas. He goes past players nicely. I think the only only side of his game which I'd like to see him improve on is just being more decisive with the pass. Sometimes I just mm-hmm. think he holds back that fraction of a second and the, yeah. chance, the, the moment's gone. But, I mean, that the way he's come on, I mean, Pochettino's found a way to play him. He's become very important in the way we play. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thought of getting rid of him in, in January, which, you know, a lot of rumours were that we we were looking to offload him, that just makes my blood blood run cold now. I, I just don't I think it would be suicidal to get rid of him. He's. I, I, I'm not alone in saying this, I think, but I know some Spurs fans, and, and I'm sad that he was one of them, um, he's a player that really frustrated me because yeah. because yeah. I knew that he was that he was strong and and he was technically quite good and I and I've seen him what he could do at Fulham and at spells seen what he could do in a Spurs shirt but I just didn't feel a he would do it consistently consistent basis and also he had this tendency the thing that really frustrated me with Dembele was in that final third where he'd hold on to the ball for a little bit too long and I'm like you know release mm. it play it simple but he's um all of this season he's done really well and whenever we've had him in the team we look so much stronger he reminds me of um well with midfield players there's a tendency to um to me a midfield player is midfield player but there is a tendency to talk about defensive midfield players holding midfield players somebody who's you know who's uh, box to box or, or or somebody who just breaks forward and gets goals but Maybe doesn't seem to do much else. With um, with Moussa Dembélé, he seems to have every, everything in this game. I know a lot of people like to see him play further forward. Personally, mm. I, I prefer him in in the role alongside Dyer because I think he's he can break forwards. As as by the way, can can Deli Ali from a deeper position, but he can also give us um, a different sort of cover to Dyer. He can. You know he's got he's imposing he's strong he's he's got he's physical um, and he can hold on to the ball he can keep possession but he reminds me I was gonna say um, of um, not same player but of Paul Gascoigne in so far as he he uses his upper body strength really well there are, there are few footballers I can think of at the moment that have that use their upper body strength to just get hold get past players seamlessly and he mm. does it really well. No, it's a fair point. I mean, there's one point yesterday where he broke through and the referee actually gave a foul against him and all he done was lent on the other player he didn't it wasn't a foul his arm never come away from his body and his upper body strength is his balance is brilliant yeah I mean he does yeah it's a similar I mean obviously Gazza had sort of 15 to 20 goals a season in his locker and, and possibly wouldn't get back and do that sort of work but yeah when he's on the ball the way he bustles mm. yeah yeah mm, um yeah So, um, we're now fourth in the table, which I know doesn't necessarily mean a lot at this stage of the season. We're approaching the halfway point. Um, We will do after 
after Watford next week. Um, 29 points, same as United, um, but far superior goal difference. Um, three points off City, four points off Woolwich, who play each other tomorrow night, and um, nine points off Leicester. Um, Jess, as it's been a while since you've been on the pod, um, how far do you think we can go? <sighs> well, I think there's, there's... I'm afraid it'd be a two-tiered answer. There's how far I think we can go and there's how far I think we will go. I I think January's going to be more important than potentially I thought it would have been because we here now and looks like he could be out for the season. He's uh, had an operation on medial ligament injury overnight. So he's he's potentially gone. So we're gonna we are now I think have to sign a nine because if if anything happens to Harry, I think we're in we're in big stuck. Um, I, th- I think we can get top three. I think we can. I think at the start of the season, I thought we'd get fifth. Where we fin- I, I don't know. I just don't even want to say that we will finish fourth, but we definitely can. Yeah. I think. Yeah, no, but I think that. I still think City will, will win it, although they haven't really impressed me. Well, I really hope so, because the um, alternative is beyond is beyond thinking about. I think the alter- the alternative, I think Woolwich will, I think will finish second. Yeah, they, they'll right. just finish above us anyway. But you know, I, I look at the other teams and I think I can see us finishing. I, I don't see there's I don't see there's any reason why we can't finish above United, Liverpool, um, and some of the other teams. Put, you know, Leicester City. I've I've I keep writing them off each week, but yeah, I don't I don't think we can write them off. I think we've got to take them seriously now. Yeah. They keep doing it. They just keep doing it, and and fair play to them. Are you are you too aware of the uh, Watford Liverpool score? Four nil. Four nil. Hello. Or three nil. Three nil. Yeah. Watford. Yeah. Watford. Watford won three nil. Yeah. And Liverpool. I, I, saw, I saw it when it was two nil. I, I didn't realise it was three nil. My yeah, like, goodness. Late goal or late goal. But but Watford, to be honest, look look more likely all through the game. Liverpool huffed and puffed. I really don't get this fascination with Klopp. Yeah, the press have gone so overboard on it, it's unbelievable. Oh, it well, is insane. The, the press have a tendency to, to go overboard on, on certain managers. Um, Klopp, uh, Mourinho. Oh, we and should certain mention, clubs as well. Yeah, and certain clubs. And we should, we should mention poor old Jose Mourinho. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed because you know it would have been great if he'd just stayed there to the end of the season. Um, it's becoming really enjoyable. Every week, um, looking at the Chelsea results, not just because it's Chelsea, but because it's Mourinho, and then watching the press conference, or maybe not watching the press conference because he didn't always. Yeah, he um, storms out, show up. Throws, yeah. throws his toys out the pram. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to see if he turns up at maybe Manchester United if they get rid of Van Gaal. Yeah, yeah, there will be. I'd... And then, and then I suppose we know that in two years' time, Man will be rubbish again. So there's that to look forward to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, the, the one, the, I'll tell you what, the one team that I think that I wouldn't discount is Everton. No, no, now they play nicely. Yep. They're in 10th for the moment, 23 points, that's six points up off us. But I think they can do a lot better than Liverpool. Well, the team's currently above them, Liverpool, West Ham, Watford, Palace doing okay, but I can still see Everton finishing above them. So I, I, if they get their act together, and Lukaku's, we mentioned on the pod a few oh, weeks yeah. ago, Nicky was Good going plan. about him. He's he's scoring again this season. Mm. I think he had a quiet quiet season last season with them, after an impressive first season or when he was loaned out. But 
they seem to be doing well. I know they lost yesterday, but um, I can see that they'll be challenging. Oh, did you watch? I mean, I saw the highlights yesterday, albeit through sort of one eye by the time I got home yesterday. But um, I thought Everton were actually a little bit unlucky. I thought a couple of decisions definitely went uh, Leicester's way that could have gone another way. I mean, they weren't like absolutely despicable decisions, but they they certainly could have gone more in Everton's favour. So you know, fair play to Leicester. They 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 won the game, but I, I didn't think Everton were terrible in it at all. In fact. It looked like they're a bit unfortunate, actually. Unfortunately, I, I miss it because I fell asleep when it was um, when the highlights were on last night, um, and I missed it this morning when it was repeated. So I'll, I'll, I'll be quite interested to watch that. Um, yeah, it's worth watching. Right, so we've got we'll look at the next two games because um, there won't be another podcast until a week. Monday after the Watford match so um, we've got Norwich at home on Boxing Day on Saturday and then we've got Watford away. Norwich obviously beat United yesterday and Watford as, as we've mentioned um, just beaten Liverpool uh, Predictions yeah. Nicky? Mm. You know the thing is it's the Premier League anything can happen that's the thing, you do, you know, and it's all good and well that we come out every week and go, oh, we're going to win or we're going to draw or whatever the case may be. I actually don't know. Um, I know in my heart that I'd like to say, yeah, we're going to we're going to win those two games, and I I don't necessarily know if they're going to be convincing wins or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we if we want to be contenders, if we want to at least achieve top four. We have to go out with a winning mentality. We're going to have to go out and go, don't underestimate the opponent. Give it all you've got. Don't fall asleep. You know, don't have too much Christmas dinner and and go out and play your bloody little socks off. Whether we will or not is to be seen. So, um, yeah, in my heart, we'll win both. Maybe not convincingly. Maybe it will be a 2 all or 1-0. Um, maybe 2-1 I, I just actually don't know where's Elliot when you need him with his predictions <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, but I'm, I'm hoping for a win obviously always well, I, I think we'll be we've, we've got to bounce back at home um, and um, you know after the discipline of last week um, so I think we'll beat Norwich um the Watford game really concerns me um, because I don't. I just got this bad feeling about it. It's away from home. Watford are doing, you know, they're, they're doing well. Um, they're not going to be a pushover, and they've got Kapue in their team, who he's got points to prove. And moreover, they've got Gomez, and I've just got this bad feeling inside me that Gomez is going to have a really good game against us. Yeah, but we're better away from home. We are. We I are. Think- but we just we, 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 we just we, we kind of just sort of sit back, watch the watch the sort of scene and assess and then we go in for the kill. Or well, that's what it appeared that we did yesterday, you know. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe maybe we will. I don't know. Well I, I was concerned about the Watford game, I still am slightly, but that was before we played Newcastle, so I'm sort of hoping that we've got that 
poor game out of the way, out of the, way, out of the system, and hopefully it, it'll be on, onwards and upwards and, a, and another run of run of games where. But hopefully this time round, you know, if, if we go another, for instance, fourteen unbeaten or, or whatever, hopefully this time we'll accumulate more more points, more wins along the way. So, you know, last week was disappointing. There's no getting away from that. But maybe it's what we needed. Maybe we needed we needed to kick up the arse to to um, push on. Um, Jess, how do you see those two games? <clears throat> well, I think I know it's an old adage, but I think you, we have to worry about the first game first, and we we have to fully focus on that. And I think three points is extremely important. I believe we will get three points against Norwich. And I agree. I think I think Watford is a potential banana skin. I think it could be a very tough game. But, you know, confidence breeds confidence. So we beat Norwich. I think we go to, Norwich, uh, to Watford in good shape. And I think we can get a positive result. I don't see why not. But we're not going to be able to just roll up and take the three points for granted we're going to have to play and earn them definitely okay um so quick update on spurs ladies um if anyone's wondering um bex um will be back next week um with an update that should be should be on the pod next week um so um i've got a quick update on how spurs ladies are doing um so um as we mentioned last week they were playing portsmouth and they lost that match 3-2 um, skipper Jenna Scalacci scored both our goals um, in that defeat our sixth loss in the Women's Premier League um, her first being a long, long long range free kick which opened the scoring for us um, and um, we had chances to, to build on that Katie O'Leary um, had a chance and so Bianca um, Baptiste just before Portsmouth equalised um, five minutes before half time and then in the second half, um, attacking fullback Lucia Leon, whom we mentioned on the podcast last week, who had been selected for the English Colleges Football Association squad. Um, her and Lucy Lomez both went close from distance, um, but unfortunately, two quickfire goals from Pompey, including including an unlucky own goal from Wendy Martin, um, meant we were three one down um, with five minutes to go. Um, Jenna actually pulled another one back just before um, five minutes before the, the end of the game, um, but it stayed three two. Um, next up is Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, in fact, they are Spurs ladies are playing at the moment, and unfortunately, we are two nil down. Um, the last I checked. Oh uh, Yep, two nil down, and then there won't be another game until two weeks today, which will be on the third of January against Lewis, and that's going to be played at. Chess Hunt FC. Um, right before we do questions, just just a quick mention, um, and this will prob well, this will mean a lot more to me and Jess than Nikki and any of our listeners outside of the UK. So um, yesterday we had the sad news that um, the former BBC pundit and former f- football player Jimmy Hill passed away. Um, and Jimmy was. Um, just for the benefit of listeners outside outside of the UK who weren't aware, Jimmy Hill was a um, a pundit, match of the, match of the day pundit on the BBC for I don't know 15, 20 years. Um, most listeners in the UK that would have grown up um, watching him as a pundit on match of the day. Um, before that, he was 
he was a manager and a player. Um, we played for Fulham, most notably, and managed um, Coventry, got them promoted in the late 60s. Um, but he was also quite um, innovative in terms of some of the things that he brought to the game. Um, things like three points, three points for a win. Um, it used to be two points for a win, but he was one of the pe- people that pushed for that, three points for a win. Um, he abolished the maximum wage in the 1960s. So up until that point, players were were played were paid um, very little, in fact, and there was only so much that they could earn. Um, and he abolished that maximum wage. So the fact that we've got um, players on extortionate wages um, in the Premier League today, um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, is 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 you know down to Jimmy Hill and. Yeah, he was um, uh, a controversial figure, but um, he'll be he'll, he'll be missed. Yeah, here, here, I agree. He also uh, was responsible for the first ever all-seater stadium in England at Highfield Road. Yeah, and Coventry was an all-seater stadium long before the Taylor Report or the Hillsborough disaster or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, and he he was actually a very good footballer as well. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, good man, good for the game, and and uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Hill. It was also a, a um, this seems seems a bit strange in this day and, day and age, but in the nineteen seventies, I think it was the early seventies, there was a match. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Woolwich against Liverpool, and um, the referee picks up an injury. Okay, and this was in the days before fourth officials, and they needed somebody to. Um, officiate the game and they were asking around and they c- couldn't find anybody in the stadium and then suddenly he was he was com- commentating or covering the game for um, I think it was ITV at the time um, and he put a tracksuit on and um, in fact it wasn't the referee it was a linesman and he put a tracksuit on and he was a linesman for a day which is something bizarre you yeah. couldn't see I don't know Ga- Gary Neville or or, or uh, Brain's gone dead, but uh, but any but any other pundits, um, I don't know, Jamie Carragher. Jamie Carragher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it it was. Yeah. You you do see it occasionally. You'd see it like in lower league football. You'll see uh, some guy out of the crowd. But yeah, you're right. The line one of the linesmen will then become the referee, and whoever has been uh, press ganged into helping out will then go and run one of the lines. But so yeah, I mean. I, I think the biggest problem with that now is how many footballers would actually know the laws of the game and it would actually be correct with uh, their knowledge of the laws of the game as well. So, but no. Yeah. Talking talking to the referee. Sorry, just just for just go back to this. Um, but the referee yesterday, he was he made a few decisions which were pretty shocking. He was a bit of a homer, wasn't he? Yeah. And he uh, he didn't give us anything, that's for sure. But uh, that's something you know you've got to just suck it up. and Get on with it, and I think we do do that quite well. As uh, some people, that are good friends of mine, say we don't moan enough, and I just I don't like that. I actually think you you should get on with it and have that mentality. Because if you're always on the referee's case, it's not going to the referee's not all of something going to turn around and go, oh, all right then, yeah, sorry, I yeah, I'll, I'll change my decision. They're not going to change their minds. It's that's it. No. It's done. Right, let's see some questions. Um, Carol Hayward asks, the Moose was back 
today, Mr Dembele, and had a fine and mighty game. Are we giving him the credit he deserves? As defensively, we are much better with him in midfield. Should he get the same credit for the most Im- the same credit as the most improved player um, as Dyer does, in my opinion? Well, we kind of touched on that earlier. Yeah. You know, I just I agree with um, I agree with Carol. I just think he is one of the most improved players by far. Uh, Pochettino's done something with him. Um, perhaps it is the fact that he's playing in the right positions now, and um, and we're able to get more out of him. I think he's just he's just so critical, and he's with his ball distribution. And yeah, he can sometimes hold on a little bit too long for our liking. But I just think because he's so solid and he can plow through other players in the midfield and, and just hold on to that ball when it's necessary and get that pass off, he's just so crucial to our game, which which is apparent because we missed him hugely last week. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Newcastle that sent him something that gave him a tummy bug. <laughs> because he Not just the Sanya Gate too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just... Um, he is just really just showing so much improvement, and it's so exciting to watch. You know, it's it's one of the questions I saw uh, somebody ask uh, on the website, uh, on the Facebook group today was, you know, who would be your first player that you would put on the team sheet if you were the Tottenham manager? And and Dembele would be right up there for me. I mean, I know we spoiled for choice, but I just think he's just so so vital and crucial to our game. Well, I think, you know, if, you, if you've got all our players fit and that there are certain, you know, permutations um, and options, but if you've got all the players fit, he would, you you wouldn't at the moment hesitate to not pick him. He, he, he would walk into that starting lineup and on merit. Um, I think he doesn't, for me at the moment, Deli Ali seems to be getting a lot of lot of lot of um, lot of praise, and that's fine. But I still think there's a lot of hype around Deli Ali. I think he's a really good footballer. Don't get me wrong, but I, you know, I don't. I don't think yesterday was man of the match. Um, I can't remember who. It was another game recently, a few weeks ago, where um, he was man of the match, and on both those occasions, I thought Dembele was was our best player. Um, I, and, yeah, I, I. I I probably will get shot, shot down for this, but... Um, say it, say it. Deli Ali is good, okay? I just don't like his attitude. I really don't like it, and he did it again last week. You know, I didn't see it yesterday, but... And, and, and Paul and I were having heated debates about this, because Paul's saying, yeah, but he's just standing up for his teammate, and, you know, um, he's just he just does nasty little things where he'll chip somebody or bump somebody or... Or, or whatever, and it's just so these. It's so unsportsmanlike, and and I don't like that aspect of him. I'm I think sorry. he's a bit. I think he's a bit petulant at times. And yesterday he he went in for a tackle. He got he got a booking, and I turned around to Jess and I said, I can I can see a situation somewhere along the line this season where he's going to pick up two yellows in a game, and 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 it's going to cost us. And yeah, I, I, of course. I, I'm, I'm like the next person. I, I like players to show aggression. I like players to stand up for, for teammates and so forth. And but there's just something about him where I just think he needs to. 
Well, Dyer's, Dyer's got that aggression as well. That's fine. You know, you, you're going to get bookings over the course of the season. I wouldn't expect anything less. But there just seems to be a little bit of petulance about him. I don't know if I'm being too harsh on him, but... You know, you say that Dyer... Sorry, I'm not even giving Jess a, a chance to talk because I would like Jess's opinion on this. But you say that Dyer does the same thing. He's got aggression or whatever the case may be. But with Dyer, it, I, he's not out looking for a fight. I'm not saying that that's what Deli Ali's doing either. It's such a fine line, but there is something, like you said, petulant about the way he conducts himself. And, and, and sometimes he does little things that's just like sneaky and nasty. And I just think, you know, where's that nasty streak coming from? It, it doesn't show any class and it's not very becoming and, and, and I, it's not very Spurs-like and I don't like that. You know, Dyer will have an aggression about him, but it's because he's protecting his teammates, but it's not because he's out there looking to try and um, cause a, a little bit of a, a rift or something, you know, whereas sometimes I just think that's what Delhi Ali's game is about. He's just looking for a little bit of a, a fight. Uh, you know, I, I might be wrong, but that's my feeling on him. And, 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 and as a result, unfortunately, yes, he's good. And yes, I will celebrate because, you know, he scores goals and it's great. But I don't particularly like him at all. Jess? Yeah, um, I'll answer the first question first. Is Dembele getting the credit he deserves? Um, well, I think from us three, he is. Um, is he in the wider sense? Well, interestingly, I thought the send-off he got yesterday when he got substituted was fantastic. Yeah. He got a really good... The whole of the away end was singing his name. And I think he's now shown a consistency where he will start getting the credit he deserves. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's not a broader spectrum of credit, but I think it's getting there and um, it's good to see. Deli Ali, I think there's things we have to take into consideration. One, he's only been a Premier League player for three months. Two, he's 19. And and third, he's stepped up from two divisions below as a teenager into the Premier League. I think he has to have that bit of edge. I think you take that bit of edge away from him, I think you take three, a third of the player away. And then a third of the player wouldn't be good enough to play in a Premier League. I know sometimes it's a bit unsavoury and it's a bit unedifying. I think he needs that. And as he matures, you'll see that will reduce. That, that petulance will reduce. That, that silly tackles. Yes. I mean, the tackle yesterday, he actually won the ball. That doesn't mean it wasn't a foul because you have to be in control and you have to tackle in the correct manner. You, you can't be too aggressive. But, no, I, you know, I, I think we need to just admire where that boy's come from and, and, and how quickly his rise has been. And the fact he's English as well means that he'll get the he'll get a lot of um, attention and obviously he'll get blown up to be some amazing player and just as he goes off the ball he'll be the worst player in the world again because that's what the, the British press do and they're brilliant at doing it so no I, I haven't got a problem with Ali I, I can understand why uh, Nicky you find mm. it not the nicest on the eye I haven't got a problem with, with what you're saying I, I don't disagree with what you're saying I just think for a kid so inexperienced and so young and to to have made the uh, meteoric rise he has in the, in the level of the game he's now playing in, I just I'm quite willing to make a couple of allowances. 
Yeah, Paul's, Paul will agree with you 100% because that's Paul's take on it as well. You've got to see where he's come from, etc. And And Paul said exactly those same words that you said last week. He said, you take that away from him, you actually lose the player, you know. You definitely um, lose so, an aspect of the player. Yeah. I mean, look at, so, look at Roy, Roy Keane as a magnificent player, but he was an absolute piece of work. Now, if you take that, that streak away from him, he's not going to be at United. He's going to be at Watford. You know what I mean? That's, that's, and it, it really is about your outlook sometimes as much as, you know, it's about the psychology of the player as much as it is about the technique and the ability of the player. Hmm. But I, I will. I bet you, if we have this conversation at five years' time, and, and I really hope Deli Ali still a Spurs player in five years' time, you, we will then see a player, and, and that's if he progresses at the, the rate he has progressed thus far. We will see a much more rounded person, not necessarily footballer, but person. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, your your views, Nikki, are very valid, and I don't disagree with them. I'm just willing to make a couple of allowances. Yeah, yeah. He'll, I think. No, I, I, I think you knocked it on the head there, Jess. He, he will mature. Over, um, well, he'll have to. As a person, David, he'll have to. And he'll grow up. He'll grow up. Um, because what you said yesterday was absolutely spot on as well. He, he then, you know, we we were talking about what subs should be made during that game, and we we were both in agreement that Delhi Ali should have been taken off before he was booked because he wasn't quite getting into the game. And then he had that period of the game when he was getting in the game. But as soon as he's booked, I think we are both unanimous yeah, and saying, yeah. you've got to take him off now. Because the, the, the conditions were slippery. He has got a bit of a fiery temperament. And, and, mm. a, and the referee, I mean, Southampton committed just as many bad tackles as we did, but they never had player booked. We had, we had one player booked, and that was Ali. So you get, you're giving the referee an opportunity to get, get get out the yellow card for a second time. And uh, no, you, you're right. He has he has got to mature, but it'll be a long process, not a short-term process. And mm. do you know what? We've, we've said this before in previous shows. He's, he's under Poch, with Pochettino, he's he's at the right place, the right club yep. to, grow, to grow up Absolutely. and to mature. You know, he could be somewhere else and... But he's, he's, he's in the right environment, which is good. Um, all right, so Andy Scoggins from the US asks his general point, how can you not cheer for Leicester City? Um, okay, I don't, I, I don't know where Andy's coming from with this, but I would say that, look, from a football point of, point of view, I, I quite like what Leicester City have done. I think it's great that a team from nowhere that looks 12 months ago looked like they were going to get relegated suddenly are top of the table um, they're, they're playing really well and they don't have the resources of Man Cities and your Uniteds and your Chelsea's and whoever else um, and you know if they if they stayed forget about winning the league if they stayed in that top four come the end of the season providing it wasn't at, at our expense if they did that, I'd be quite happy because it's a big two fingers to everybody in football who says that you know you you can only you can only qualify you can only finish in the top four with money and with resources. So from a football point of view, there's something quite romantic. Um, so mm. um, I'm happy for them, but ultimately, I want Tottenham to to finish in the top four or Tottenham to, to finish top of the table I'm not saying we're going to win the league but I want us to be first in in, in every game and every match that we compete in so um, I don't really care much for them um, 
if they finish say fourth and we finish third yeah I'll be happy um, but um, if we finish fifth and they finish fourth and happen to finish um, say one point above us or, or above us on goal difference then I'd, I'd be quite annoyed so that's my take on it yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Right, okay, that was easy. Right, Greg <laughs> Taylor, I like this question. Greg says, um, if we could see the game from the player's view, e.g. head-mounted micro-cameras, like GoPro cameras, um, would we be more forgiving? We can see players in space and potential passes from our, va- va- from our vantage point away from the pitch that, play- that maybe players can't. It's an interesting question. It is, it is, but I think what, you know, as fans, um, when, you, when you're when you on a pitch, yeah, you, you you don't see what we can see as fans because we're all human beings and we all see the, the same situation in a multitude of different ways. And also, we we know as sportsmen, as, as players, they know their strengths and weaknesses. So if there's a pass maybe that they can only get out to on their left foot and it's like 30 yards away, they might not think that they can make that pass to the left foot 30 yards in that tight proximity. So they come back onto the right foot and then that opportunity is missed. So uh, for me, you have to appreciate how good and how dedicated you've got to be to get onto that field of play. So I'm, I, we can criticise, but I think... You, you have to be objective with your criticism and I think you have to, you know, obviously they're, they're, if stand, you know, players don't perform to stand and don't try, that's unforgivable. But, you know, footballers are human beings and I think that's why it's brilliant when you see a bit of skill. It's because it's it's bloody hard to do that bit of skill in that, in that arena with so many people watching and also other players trying to stop you do that. So, yeah, it's an interesting point of view and maybe it'd be interesting to but I don't think you can ever see another situation with somebody else's eyes because ultimately the information you see, every human being, all of us, will process it differently. You're right. That's so true because actually I never thought about it that way because it's all good and well that we see what they see, but you don't know what's going through their mind and what they're thinking because no, obviously, that's right. you know, they like you said, they know what their strengths and weaknesses are. So the thought process that they've got to take in order to to decide on what they're going to do with that ball or do with that passage of play is is um, not going to be what we would see or right. do if if we were actually watching exactly the same thing. So yeah, and, and really a lot of things things they do as well is instinctive. So you yes. haven't got a time to assess the situation; you just right. do it. And sometimes you do it and it'll come off and sometimes you'll do it and it won't come off and, and you look stupid. So it's, it's, it, is, mm. it would be interesting, but I don't, you know, I think, you, you know, you can't, yeah, I don't, it doesn't make any difference to me. I, footballers, footballers that we watch and pay money to watch are there for a reason. It's because they're bloody good footballers. We, you know, I know we use like words and say this player's crap, that player's crap. The reality is they're not crap because they wouldn't be anywhere near where they are if they were. Yeah. yeah. Do, you think, do you think, Jess, um, there was a, there was a chat sat or stood next to us. Well, at the beginning of the game. <laughs> beginning of the game. Oh first, first, yeah. first 20 minutes of the game, I think it was about 20, 30 minutes just before we scored. Um, and I think he was probably a bit pissed, it's fair to say. And then he, <laughs> then he fucked off and he, he didn't come back, I'm, I'm assuming. No, thank God, no, he didn't. No, and he was really, really annoying. And I yeah. wonder whether he could have benefited from um, 
a head-mounted camera. Well, on... I did try and explain to him one passive play where he was, he was slaughtering a team and we actually broke away and nearly scored before he scored. And, I, and he's like, oh, you've got no width, I've got no width. He's like, yeah, but the way we play, <laughs> our width comes from our fullbacks. And you can't always get your fullbacks up to support the attack in an instant of a second. It's a more gradual thing and when we're in control of it. So we've just broken there. We've gone down the middle. We've hit two or three nice passes and we've, we've won a corner. And then, luckily, he fucked off, like you said. <laughs> but, oh, he was an absolute... He, he was irritated. Oh. It was quite funny, because there was another bit where, bit before that, where he was like, oh, fucking Walker. And you turned around quite rightly, but in a very calm way, and just said, well, that's not, that's not Walker's fault. Oh, Lurice, Hugo, Lurice Hugo just... put him under pressure. Yeah. And he was straight away. I said, well, you can't blame him. Yeah, you can't blame him. Hugo's put him in that situation. And every time you made a reasonable point, and there were reasonable points, he, he had nothing to say because it was just bollocks what he was saying. Yeah, well, from... it's very easy to argue with people who use a monosyllabic language and all basically their vocabulary ranges from God, oh, come on, oh, don't. It's, it's, he's not actually um, articulating any point. He's just basically using a load of nonsense to obviously off, off, oh, he's just, Shouting off his frustrations, yeah. so yeah, it's you know it's it's fair enough. We we do get frustrated with watching them, but you, you have to yeah, like that that is typical football fan though. Rather than blame the player because he's the favourite in Hugo, blame the player that takes a bit of stick because it's that player that takes a bit of stick when it's it mm. definitely wasn't his fault. He was put in that predicament by Hugo, and Walker done as well as he could have done. So, you know, that's that's the way it is. But but that's football fans' mentality. There's a sheep-like mentality. Like, you have to blame the player because everyone else blames him. No, have a look yeah. for yourself. Have a look for yourself and, and make of that situation what you make of it. Don't, don't take everyone else's opinion on board. Yeah, they might all be right. You might be wrong. But have a little think for yourself. And I don't think that guy was capable of doing that, I'm afraid. No. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I think... Just... I, Sorry, just just on that note though, um, did you guys see or could you tell me why Luis was going ballistic? Because to us, it looked like he was going off at Walker. Um, at something that Walker did. You know, in the beginning of the game, we we he nearly got booked because the ref kept saying to him, you know, you're wasting time, you're wasting time, um, because he just kept going off and going off and and having a little fit on the field. And we couldn't quite assess why oh, he was doing that. I didn't notice it, really. I missed that. Yeah, I missed it. We did have a, a question from Paul Esau asking. Yeah. That. You um, know, one of the guys in, in, in our group, he, he said that um, he was going off at Walker. Um, you know, and, and it did certainly look that way. But we couldn't really determine if that was the case. So I was hoping that maybe you'd seen well, why. No, I didn't see anything. No. I mean, we were quite far back. We, we had a good view of the pitch, but obviously we, we didn't. I didn't, I didn't see uh, Hugo. I think what is noticeable is when we when we start the game from um, a goal kick, players definitely have their positions to take up because we, we straight away try and play it short to drag teams on. And maybe Walker wasn't in the correct position or something. I don't know. But I don't think it's anything major because it didn't seem to linger. No, it didn't linger, but he did go off for a good yeah. minute. Let me tell but, you. He yeah, was not happy. You know, <laughs> he's a skipper. That's down to him. You know, it's down to him to get on. If 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 he feels the players not doing what what the manager has got them wants them to do, and then it's down to this, you know skipper to get on the case. But the the spirit amongst the boys, I think, allows that you can actually can have a uh, a candid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
you know, response to, and, and the players don't get the up with each other, I think is a very tight, tight knit bunch out there. Absolutely. Even even for Tongan had a go at somebody and I don't know who he had a go at, but he you know, he was like slapping his hands together, come on guys, let's get on you you know, hurry it up, hurry it up, let's just get on. And um, so it was quite nice to see that from Patonga because normally yeah. he, I think he can be quite um, very laid back. Yeah, very laid back. Uh, I think Toby has improved his play tremendously. I think Toby arriving at the lane has just improved for Tongan's game tremendously. But that's just my feeling on it. No, well, I, I think he has. But I, do you know what? I think that for two reasons. One, one because Toby's uh, a very good centre half. And he also um, compliments Vertonghen very well. But, you know, on a Saturday, if everyone's fit, our back five will be Hugo in goal, Carl Walker at right back, Toby Alderweireld, Vertonghen and Danny Rose. They all know mm. that if they're all fit, and unless one of them's had a mare or uh, had a drastic loss of form, that is our back five. And you can mm. pretty much know that you're going to have Dyer in front of you. So... They're all settled, but they're all settled. But they know that if they do, if their performances do drop, they, you know, Pochettino isn't scared to make a change. Like Tommy Carroll had a great game against Monaco, so he gets a chance, and he didn't play particularly well against Newcastle. But that doesn't mean that selection was wrong. It's just players aren't machines. There isn't an on and off button where you can, you know, you can make them yeah. do what you want to do. They're, they're human beings at the end of the day, and we, you know, so no, I think the fact we have a set, settled back five, I think. It's no coincidence that we are much stronger defensively this season than we have been in the past. It was. Mm. It was not. You mentioned Tommy Carroll. It was nice to see him come on um, final few minutes of yeah. the game. Pat- particularly, he didn't have the best game against Newcastle. So sometimes, then when a player is subsequently dropped, you you wonder, you know, is it gonna, you know, is it gonna affect their confidence yeah. and so forth? But um, you know, it just shows that he's he's not. He's he's still. Um, I think I think Tom Carroll can have a big season for us in in Europe, and but also I think Newcastle possibly may not have been the best team to play against because they're a big and powerful side, and I think one thing that will stop Tom Carroll from being a top top central midfielder is the fact that he is quite small and not the strongest lad, and he isn't the most powerful lad. You know, you see some short central midfielders they're stocky and they're powerful unfortunately Tommy Carroll's all about technique and um, mm. I think that could ultimately cost him bit. he'll be a Premier League player I've got no, I have no doubt about that I think he will be a Premier League footballer I'm just not sure he'd be in the top quarter of the Premier League that's all but we'll see let's give him a chance uh, you know yeah, and I yeah. think that, that, that game against Newcastle generally we weren't no second half we weren't on it at all and, and also Dyer had Dyer didn't play that well. He, poorest, uh, back, poorest game he has yeah, ever uh, on, on the back of, by the way, the previous week against West Brom, when he wasn't that good either. So I think perhaps, for instance, if Dyer had been more on his game, um, there wouldn't have been so much pressure on, on Carroll. Yeah, that's I'm a fair talk, point. That's a fair talk, point. Talking of another young player, so Oliver Lees asks, how will Pritchard, we forgot about him, how will Pritchard fit into the team when he gets back from injury? Now that the Europa group stages are, are over... And assuming Poch is taking the competition seriously, um, I assume he will want to play fairly strong teams in Europe. So maybe Pritchard will have to wait. Well, we've got the FA Cup yeah. um, against Leicester. Um, I don't know how seriously Poch will take that. He doesn't have a good record in the FA Cup, not only for us last season, but also at Southampton. Um, but... 
if we're in it and if we progress in that competition and we get a few favourable draws, there will be ad- additional opportunities for, for hopefully players like Pritchard to to get a chance. Well, I, I um, think the most important thing right now is not actually worrying about how he's going to fit in. It's worrying about the same word, but getting fit and getting a level so he can actually start playing again because it, he's basically going to have had seven months out by the time he does get back into training. So he's got, you know, he's got an absolute abundance of skill. He's going to have to be patient. Yeah, but you do have to be patient at clubs, you know, like Spurs, mm. that have a lot of players. And, and it's a shame the timing of the injury couldn't be worse for him because he was absolutely on a you know wave of brilliant football, played brilliant for Brentford, done really well for the under- It was noticeable when he got injured for the under-21s. We seem to lose a bit. So... Yeah, I, I won't worry about it now. That he'll get, if he's good enough, he'll get an opportunity. It's as simple as that. And that, that I think there's enough circumstantial evidence to, to to prove that you get a chance if you're good enough. Pochettino will give you a chance. There's two sides to that. That's what you've just said about Pochettino will give you a chance. Absolutely true. But also, I don't want to blow our own trumpet again. Like our, I mean, no, you can. You can blow um, our trumpet. That's what we're Pochettino, supposed to do. Pochettino has got... He's the right... Again, I said earlier about the right sort of club for for young players developing. He's also, Poch has also got this, got this tendency, unlike some managers and coaches, not to rush players back from injury. Um, yeah. We've seen it so many times with, with professional football players where they, they, they come back too quickly from an injury and they're not fully fit or they pick up a second, second in, in, injury... With um, with Pochettino, he's whenever we've had a player out injured, they've not been rushed back into the team. He's willing to take the time. Now that might be frustrating for the for the player in question, whoever it happens to be at the time. But but in the long term, it pays dividend for the club and also for the player. So I think there's um, a very good reason though for that, Jan. I think basically you have to have a level of fitness to be able to operate the way that Pochettino wants their yeah. team to operate. And if you're not 100% and you cannot put that work in, then you're no good to the team. No matter how good a technician or good a player you are, I think you have to be 100%. Otherwise, it, it doesn't work. And then you, you, you miss a part of the jigsaw and, and that can cause other problems. So I think it's quite deliberate that he doesn't bring players back possibly sooner, you know, as soon as maybe some other managers would. Yeah. I, I, I have a question, though. Um, sorry, Jav, I know you've got a list of questions, but I've actually got a question. What are your thoughts on Ericsson currently? You know, when, when he was out with injury, okay, and and I remember doing the podcast after his first game, and I remember still saying, both you and Jav, Jav and I agreed, that we didn't realise how much we missed Ericsson until we saw him on the pitch again because he just does bring something special. But he's gone off the boil. I don't know. He's just not in it at the moment. I don't know if maybe I'm just expecting too much from the guy. But he, you know, his free kicks, he was always pretty much on point. And, and currently, he, I, don't know, I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know. Do you, you know, does Pochettino substitute him and make him actually work for his pace in the team? Or does Pochettino just think, let me persevere with the guy like I've done with Lamella and he'll come good again. What do you think? Oh, I actually thought he played very well, you see, Christian Eriksson. He wasn't, yeah, he, he, 
the set pieces have gone off a bit. But do you know what? I think they that can that you'll get a streak. Like here at one point, uh, I think a Chelsea fan I know was saying it's like Spurs have got a penalty when you got a free kick around the box because you know Ericsson's going to score. That's gone. He's gone off the ball with that now. But I thought mm. yesterday he actually played pretty well. He, you know, he got us out of some some difficult positions with with good skill uh, in tight areas. He made a couple of nice breaks. He, he I, I thought he did all right. Yesterday, I didn't think he had a bad game. I thought he he grew into the game certainly as it went on. Um, his set pieces were poor. Um, overall, not just not yesterday, but games leading up to yesterday, he does seem to be a bit. You know how Jess earlier we we talked about Dembele being um, well, and also the, the bat four or bat five if you want to include Loris. Certain players, so the goalkeeper, the bat four. Um, Dembele, I guess Dyer, um, Kane. How certain players at the moment, if they're all fit, they, they're, they're on form, they're going to be first names on, on the sheet. I'd say Lamella is another one who, at the moment, deserves his place in team. Yeah. Ericsson, I don't know that he does at the moment. That's the thing. I think I think he's. <laughs> When he gets into the game, yes, you know, but I'm just not seeing that. That, um, and I don't know actually. I've just thought of this now, and and maybe I'm just speaking complete and utter bullshit because I mean I'm not a footballer at the end of the day. I just watch and see, and can interpret what I see. But you know, but I actually don't know if it's since Chadley has been injured because because Chadley and and Ericsson used to link up really really well together. Those two played brilliantly and then you just used to see more flair from Ericsson I don't know maybe maybe it's got a little bit to do with that maybe he's just not getting the same kind of service that he would have gotten previously from Chadley I don't know but there's definitely an aspect of his game that is lacking and and maybe it's just the set pieces but even there are occasions where I see he puts in a good tackle which is not very often because he's such a small guy and I think he'd, he'd rather Pass the ball, didn't actually get stuck into yeah, a tackle. You, you don't want it. You don't want Christian Eriksen to be having to do tackling. You have to do no. it as part of the game. But yeah, I, I, I just want and here's a thought. His work rate has increased massively. Yeah, I appreciate he's not been as spectacular on the football sense. Now I wonder if the work rate has sort of detracted from his flair a bit, and mm. I wonder if it's just that they haven't found the balance yet between him having to put the work in because you have to and actually being able to possibly not run as much as some of the other players and actually do what he's good at which is you know on the ball his passing his shooting his set pieces his skill so maybe maybe he's just he's just not quite got the balance right yet so it's detracting mm. from his flair side because his work rate I think's been is really Come on, he, he works yeah. really yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've so got I don't a know. There. Might, might be, I don't know. Just a suggestion. Could be. I, don't I know. think we, we've got two games in quick succession next week. Um, Norwich, Saturday, Watford on, 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 on the Monday. So I, I'm sure some players will, will be rested. So there is an opportunity there. Yeah. You think Chadley and Son will get a lot more game time? Yeah, and even Ben Taleb as well, and hopefully Mason will get fit. And absolutely, and but but also inadvertently that might give 
um, Ericsson a bit of a rest yeah, and hopefully yeah. a chance to recharge his batteries. Yeah. Maybe, right, okay. Yeah. Last two questions. So, first one, Mark Stoll asks, are you concerned about other clubs coming in for Poch in the summer? So, we've mentioned uh, Mourinho's obviously been fired at Chelsea um, and Van Hull's position is looking a bit bit shaky at United and there's talk of um, well um, uh, Pep Guardiola I can't say his name help me out Jeff. Guardiola Guardiola um, is leaving Bayern at the, at the end of the season and somebody else Pellegrini there's been talk of whether it's right whether it's true or not talk of him maybe not being at City come, come the summer there, there could be a, a manager or merry-go-round come the summer um do we see a situation where, you know, Poch is doing well at Spurs, other clubs might come in for him? No. Well, they might come in for him, and Pochettino will give them the finger. He's got something to prove at Spurs. And Daniel Levy has has um, has taken a chance on him. Um, it looks like they've got a really good relationship and a good understanding. And I don't think Pochettino has something to prove. And if he just ups and leaves, he's not going to get that chance to actually prove what he can achieve with Spurs. Um, being given a, as he's been given the opportunity to do so. So, personally, I don't think so. I think Pochettino is one of our own for now, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned. I think the fact that it's even being mooted that other teams could possibly come in for Pochettino, it, it shows you the job he's doing. But I th- you mm-hmm. know, sometimes you have to. You know, people are going, "Oh, Mourinho's unemployed. Go out and get him. Go out and get him." For me, Mourinho's not the right manager for Tottenham Hotspur. He, he just isn't. Hell no. And I just think that, you know, maybe you'd, you'd get a short term, you'd get some success, maybe. But as we know, as we've seen from Mourinho in the past, two years down the line, his philosophy, his his style of management, doesn't. it stops. It stops working. Players stop believing his nonsense. Pochettino is at the right club for him. And I think Spurs... Uh, uh, this is the right cup here, man. I think Pochettino is the right manager for Spurs. We've got an exciting two or three years coming up. He's got three years left in his contract. He, you know, unprecedented five-year contract for a Tottenham Hotspur manager. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. So, but let, you know, yeah, it's down to Daniel Levy to keep to keep us progressing. So, if we need to take a risk on a player, maybe we're going to have to do that and, and help the guy out. So, no, I'm not concerned. But you know, if he is being linked to other teams. It's going to be for a reason, and that means he's going to be doing a good job. So, keep it, keep it coming. Yeah, mm. no, I, I agree. And for, for what it's worth, I can't see any exodus, whether it's him or Larice or anyone. No, this no, I think we are in a very, no. very good position. Yeah. Okay. Final, final question. Zach Gasnola asks: With less than two months to Valentine's Day, which Spurs player would you take out on the fourteenth of Feb? Where would you take them and why? And Jess, don't feel you have to answer this one because I certainly won't. <laughs> so it's over oh. to you, Nikki. Okay, but how can I just take one? Because I think that's really, really selfish of me. <laughs> because I think that Spreading they would love. want to. Yeah, they would all you. want to go on a Valentine's Day date with me. So I'd have to, you know, allocate an hour a day to <laughs> an hour in the day to each one. I can't just choose one. That's just wrong. But if I had to, I would, and and I know it says player, but I've got to start with Pochettino. Then you've got to start from the top and work your way down. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Pochettino, then Chadley, and believe it or not, it's going to have to be Dembele, just because I love what the boy is doing at the moment. Um, I'm going to have to say Lamela, just because I've always thought he is rather good-looking, dishy kind of guy, and he's Argentinian, and he's playing better, and, you know, Greg and Aaron will go, yeah, we told you so, so I'll have to go with Lamela next. Um, I've got my whole pick, haven't I? <laughs> Where would you then take them and why? Is there no limit? Where would I take them? Oh, my God. Where would I take them? I, this is a family podcast, as somebody said once. I don't know if I should repeat what I would do with them. If and why not, I would do it with not. them. <laughs> uh, where would I take them? You could take you could take Lamella to an Argentinian steakhouse, feed them up a bit. Yeah, look, I would pack them up a little bit, but I wouldn't take him to an Argentinian steakhouse because clearly that shit's not working for him. I'd bring him to South Africa and... You know, have you seen the South African rugby players? <laughs> I'll beef him up a little bit this side. Um, I, I didn't give that much thought about where I would take them, to be honest, or why I would take them wherever. I'm just wanting to take them. <laughs> and if they're willing, if they're willing, that's great. And if they're not willing, well, then I might, you know, <laughs> have the cops after me for <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> You can take them where you want to, as long as they've got the energy afterwards to yeah. compete on, on the pitch That's and they're right. not fully drained. Right, um, on that <laughs> on that note, so this is this is the, the last podcast before um, before Christmas, so um leaves me to wish um, Nikki and and Jess um, a Merry Christmas. Um, and also to everybody who's taken part in the podcast and of course all of our listeners a very happy christmas thank yep. you and to you jeb thank you thank for you a wonderful yep. show as always yeah merry and christmas to you two guys as well and to all the spurs fans out there Have a cheers. and the next podcast so we won't won't do won't record one after the um after the norwich match but we'll, we'll be recording the next episode the final one of 2015 um, next Monday after after the Watford match. Um, so on that note, thanks, Jess. Thank you, Nikki. The future's bright. The future's Lily White. Good night. in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her.